Welcome back to Female Founder World. It's Jasmine here. I'm the host of the show and I have a really interesting episode. We've got Catherine Winokur on the show today. She's the founder and CEO of Halle Hair. What I really zero in on because I've been trying to find someone to come on Female Founder World for so long to talk about this and finally I was able to find the perfect person to talk to you guys about it. And I'm speaking specifically of gaming, so Roblox, Twitch influencers, like how to leverage this space to use it as a marketing channel and specifically like the overlap between gamers and personal care and fashion and how it's such an untapped opportunity, especially when we're all going after the same like TikTok trends, the same Instagram influencers, the same press outlets thinking a little bit outside the box and going into this gaming space, I think has a lot of opportunity. Anyway, what Catherine's doing is really cool. She's very clever, very innovative, and I hope you guys love the show. Don't forget to drop us a five-star review. I know there are a bunch of you listening who are enjoying the show, but haven't left us a review yet and make today the day that you do it because it really helps us to reach new audiences, helps me to find partners and sponsors for the show. And that means that I can make more episodes, more newsletters, more of the good stuff that you guys enjoy. All right, let's get into it. You are now entering female founder world with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Jasmine. So for folks who don't know Hallie Hair, can you introduce us to what you're building over there? Sure. Hallie launched in February of 2021, and we're really on a mission to create a better, more fun, more gentle way to color your hair at home. Awesome. Before you got into this business, you were working at Walmart. What was it that you saw happening that made you think, hey, there's an opportunity in this space? Because I guess I'm someone who, yes, when I was younger, I'd use the at-home hair dye, but I didn't realize people were, that was still a trend. People were still doing that. Obviously it is. What were you seeing <laughs> happening? Yeah, sure. So my background has actually been in marketing. So I spent 12 years in different marketing jobs and I was running marketing for Jet Black, which is like the premium offshoot of Jet owned by walmart.com. And I was actually pregnant and going on maternity leave in September of 2019 with my daughter. And that summer, I had this terrific summer intern named Meredith. And, you know, she came in one day, super nervous to ask to leave in the middle of the afternoon because she had this horrible at-home hair dye experience and had to go to a salon to get it color corrected. And obviously I said, Mare, do whatever you need to do. I just couldn't believe that this was still happening. You know, I'm 35. I had a bad run in with son in an eighth grade 20 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. And here was Mayor, like exceptionally smart, literally a rising senior at Harvard at the time, you know, from New York City, super with it, could very well afford to go to a salon. But yet the behavior was she and her friends, you know, went to CVS and picked up box dye and did it at home while recording TikToks. And, you know, she subsequently fried her hair. So that had Ooh. happened that summer. And I went out on mat leave and didn't think about it for a bit. But then, you know, I was always job to job to job. Like I never went to business school. So it was really the first time in my life I didn't have Slack and email on my phone. Mm -hmm. And I just kept like researching the category. It wasn't really like I had this aha moment that I was going to like drop everything and create a hair dye company. But one thing kind of like left led to the next and really just thought that there could be this like interesting opportunity based on the category and the landscape and this like lack of innovation in the space, but yet this huge user behavior and that over 50% of people color their hair at home and 70% of 
girls that are under the age of 30 are doing it and now 40% of guys. And so I guess like the more I learned, the more it felt like, huh, this could have, you know, all the markers of what could be a successful business. I made a deal with my husband that I was going to give it, give it a shot. I didn't go back to, to Walmart and it took me about a year to get stability in the formula before, before we launched Tally. Amazing. Okay. You said that there were some indicators there while you were researching. What were some of those things that you found that made you kind of validate that gut instinct that you had that there was an opportunity here? So I should say my first two jobs were in CPG. So my first job out of school was at Pepsi. And then I worked at Unilever on Dove, which was an incredible experience for three years. And so I, I guess I had a good understanding of how these big, you know, companies work and the the like roadblocks that exist within them to really innovate. When I was researching Halley, you know, there have been these like legacy CPG players that own the lion's share of the category, but really haven't innovated both in brand and formulation in a while. And so that was a clear marker that I was very keen to. I was like, okay, this, this market exists. It's kind of hasn't yet really been disrupted, I guess you could say. And then the other thing, like I said, was just like this user behavior, huge swaths of people coloring their hair, very healthy repeat rate. It's something that once you do once, you can go back if you have um, good experiences with really high profit margins. So the, the average, you know, hair color is in the mid 80s, like to give you context, when I launched Tally, which was at a super you know, inefficient, low minimum order quantities, like we got to market with a 70% margin. So there wow, was, okay. you know, a really great margin to work with. And then I just, you know, became super fascinated with this foam format, which is our first product, our color cloud. And it really came from South Korea and Japan. They've had this huge influx of the younger demographic coloring their hair in the last decade just due to the K-pop craze. And they all use a product called bubble dye and bubble dye is really just like a foam based permanent hair dye. And so you can imagine, I was just watching all these YouTube videos on my phone in the middle of the night with my you know, newborn. And I was like, man, this foam is so <laughs> much easier than like sectioning your hair and mixing and painting on, you know, one mm -hmm. by one. Um, and so that was really, the, the thinking of like, how could I take this? And what took me so long, we wanted to do two, two things. I wanted to take the harshest ingredients out of hair dye, which are ammonia, PPD and resorcinol. And then also Halley is, or Color Cloud is a demi-permanent formula. So what that means is it gradually washes out of your hair in about a month, four to six weeks. And I felt like that was super, super important for our court, like who we were going after, which was like, the teenager, young adult. And so that is, you know, what took so long to really perfect it because there wasn't really a benchmark for us to, you know, just replicate right away. But that's kind of how we, we launched the first ammonia free awesome. foam hair dye. When you were doing all of this, did you raise money to kind of bring a product to market? Did you raise your seed round later? Like how were you funding it in the really early days? I was just doing it myself and there wasn't really a ton of expenditure at first. A lot of like samples, buying, trying, um, a ton of cold outreach. Like I learned very quickly that starting a color cosmetic or skincare brand is a lot easier. There's just a ton more contract manufacturers in the US. And so it took like 
a lot of time to get connected with someone that did hair color. And truthfully, I think I emailed 62 people like cold and Mm. like was calling and I was just this like crazy girl that had this hair color idea. (laughs) And finally, someone wrote me back and that person connected me to someone else who connected you know, me to this lab who we've been working with since. So I think a lot of it was my own savings that I put into it first to get the formula ready. And then so you went on to raise a seed round of 4 million. At what point did you do that? We did that right after we launched Hallie. Okay. And so we did that. I, I, you know, we launched at the end of February and I I started having conversations with folks in April and closed in June. I want to talk about the launch marketing. You guys are only about a year and a half old now. So that doesn't seem like it's that long ago. And I feel like it's super relevant. Whatever you did then, it obviously has worked because I've been seeing the brand everywhere. Where did you really invest your time and money when you were trying to get the word out about this new business? So I really focused on brand marketing and I, I maybe it's because that was, you know, yeah. my, my background, but yeah. I invested in, I guess you would call it influencer marketing and then PR. So like we've had Sunshine Sachs as a partner since the beginning. I had a great working re- relationship from Walmart. And so I think for me, like I carved out, you know, money for inventory and money to help, you know, kind of get some sort of name recognition from Hallie. And then I would say where I was light on was just kind of like digital tactics at first, um, just because, you know, we didn't have a ton of cash. You know, I begged Sunshine Sachs to give me like a pre-launch date, like a rate, um, you know, which they did because they're amazing partners. And then the other thing was, so our first, I guess, investor is also a friend and advisor to me. I mean, he's really the one that gave me a kind of like the courage to start Hallie um, is Simon Huck. And so Simon is, you know, incredibly successful and connected in the kind of like celebrity space. So a huge, huge advantage that I had was I spent $5,000 on these boxes that Simon was able to send to his network. And we painfully like illustrated Um, each celebrity's portrait on each box and I just kept trying to think these guys get a million and one things a day Mm -hmm. like what what would make them want to share it on Instagram and I was like well why don't we just put their face on it and so it's less about Hallie and it's more about you know them and like a portraiture of them and then of course they opened the box and Hallie was in it and you know some of them tagged us and some of them didn't but like it, it still was incredible incredible exposure and it wasn't like it sold a ton of product right away. But I think that the dividends that have come from that we're we're still seeing. And so it's like how a lot of the retailers first noticed us in this like world where everything has to have this immediate ROI. But I do think that if you do brand marketing tactics, right, it can really help kind of like build the cool factor of of your brand over the long term, which is exceptionally hard to do. The only other thing I'd say that I spent money on was actually our our first core SKU, our color cloud SKU came with, it still comes with a, a bag of accessories. So it has this like stress putty and these under eye gels and these, you know, branded clips. And when I was thinking about like, okay, where can I spend money? It's like, wow, I can literally spend like a buck more and have this like very cool end to end experience that like maybe people will post more about their hair dye, mm-hmm. you know, experience and tag us at home versus like just trying to 
get new people on Instagram. So that's where I spent money. And it was actually like one of the things I'm, you know, most happy that I did because when we first launched, we got so many people like tagging us and posting about their like hair color transformation and them with the like eye gels and doing the putty uh-huh. while that while the color set. And so I think that that really kind of helped us get some initial momentum from real customers because everyone wants to just understand like how's their hair going to look and what does it look like on you know just like a regular person the next thing I want to talk about is gaming and you Mm -hmm. are doing some very cool exploration using Roblox and other and Twitch and basically gaming as a category as a marketing channel and this is something that I've been looking into a lot. I've been seeing a lot of the big brands like NAS and Nike yeah. are really investing in like full Roblox experiences. I'm so curious about what's going on there. And it looks extremely expensive and cost prohibitive to like get involved with Roblox. And for folks who are listening to this, just to back up and who are like, what is Roblox? What are you talking about? What is Roblox? <laughs> How would you explain it? At Roblox is a like, I guess a a platform, you would call it within the like metaverse. I mean, Roblox, there's Twitch, there's, there's Fortnite. So there's lots of different worlds. I mean, it's, it's an app. I highly recommend downloading it on your phone. It was the only way I could like wrap my head around, you know, what this was, because like you, I just read about it so much. And it's like, in all these headlines or, or what brands are doing with it, but I didn't quite really get what it meant. And I think I was pretty intimidated by the metaverse too. And how do we, how does Hallie, you know, get a part of it that's not, you know, millions of dollars and what, mm-hmm. what is the metaverse? And so again, like, it's just amazing what you can research online and Google and YouTube. And, and then so much of like, if it was just once I got it on my phone, I was like, oh, this is fine. This is like, I played the Sims when I was in middle school. Like yeah. it, you know, like I had a Tamagotchi in my locker that I would go check on. Like <laughs> it's, not, it's not that different. And so I think once that like initial thing set in, I was like, okay, so there's all these different worlds within the Roblox platform app and you can go. So like Nike has a world, like Aloe Yoga has an amazing sanctuary. Mm. Paris Hilton has a world. What we've done with Hallie is we've created uh, some limited like edition collection hairstyles, which obviously tie very closely to, you know, our, our company. But when you go on Roblox, you have an avatar and you can change your hairstyle or your clothes or your accessories. And so it felt like it made so much sense to you know, spend a little bit more time to develop really cute trending hairstyles based on what was you know, already in the catalog. And so Very that cool. was what yeah, we focused on this summer with our uh, Gamer Girl campaign. And how do you, and also like, I'm looking at your website again, looking at the Gamer Girl campaign and how it's visually represented. It's like very cute, very pixelated, like, yeah, retro feel. I just feel like it's it at the same time feels futuristic and retro, and I just think people need to get an idea about like this aesthetic that you're going for because once you like see how it visually ties in, it kind of like really clicks about what you're doing here. Um, so you said that you had you know styles for the avatars. How does someone go about actually doing that? Because it sounds like a really scrappy way to get involved in this space without building out a million dollar experience that like Nike or Aloe Yoga has done. How do you create that hairstyle in Roblox? If somebody else, you know, maybe they want to do like a lipstick or an outfit or like something like that. How do you go about doing that? 
Sure. There are what's called UGC creators within Roblox. And no one really knows exactly when they're going to open up the application for new ones. But right now, according to my, you know, internet research, it looks like there's around 100 or 150 of them that exist that Roblox corporate has given them kind of this badge that like, we allow you to be a creator to upload to our catalog. It's then, you know, vetted in some sort of approval and then it's published for anyone, you know, to have access to. So actually Hallie couldn't just upload um, hairstyles as I learned, you know, Mm -hmm. the more I learned about it. And so we were like figuring out how we could get in contact with um, a UGC creator. And so a lot of it just was like DMs. And also there's like a platform called Discord that a lot of gamers use for messaging and Twitter DMs. And finally, you know, we got in contact with one or two of them that thought it was cool. Those are who, you know, we've worked with at Hallie to start our hairstyle collection. We think that there's a lot of fun to be had and bringing trending hairstyles into the metaverse, you know, in a timely way. So like the first five that we launched were inspired by Coachella and celebrities at the Met Ball or trending shows like Euphoria. So like very culturally relevant styles that girls are wearing in real life and bringing that, you know, to the metaverse as well in, in gaming. Oh, that is so cool. So many people that I speak with who are reaching Gen Z, uh, TikTok is a main strategy and that's awesome. But hearing something that feels like quite new and innovative. And I don't think we've had this conversation on the podcast before. So I think what you guys are doing is awesome. Oh, thank you so much. And I mean, just for anyone else out there, I mean, it wasn't like I started Hallie knowing that we were going to go into gaming. But (laughs) I think once you like find anything that like tends to have some sort of momentum, like there's usually like an insight behind it, right. And from a digital media perspective, TikTok does great for us. Non-brand search does great for us. And actually, like some of the game in-app gaming advertising was performing like at a much more efficient CAC for us. And so that really is what got me thinking of like, huh, what, who is this gamer? Um, And like, if it's working for us on paid, like, is there more that we can do more from a brand perspective? So that's really how I became much more interested in the vertical. Yeah, because I feel like when you think about the persona of a gamer, I think that you, the image that comes to mind isn't actually accurate at all. And, and I think that's why you guys had so much success. We were talking before we started recording about how when you were researching this, your idea about who a gamer is has actually like changed so much. And that's what made you realize, huh, this is a space that Hallie or like beauty brands can play in. Yes, absolutely. Like I definitely had, you know, my own kind of like perception of of who games mm. just because, you know, I personally, I don't do it, but I'm also old. When I relax, like I'll watch, you know, Netflix or a streaming show and a lot of Gen Z actually games. And so I think that it also is not just this like super alternative persona either. Like I think the more we learned is that there's a ton of women And there's a ton of women that care about beauty and have a beauty routine and they play with their hair and their makeup. And it's really just a a place that I think it makes a ton of sense for um, personal care brands to be. Are there any other kind of personal care or beauty brands that you think are doing interesting stuff in this gaming space? Yeah, I think they're, um, who am I forgetting right now? 
I'm really curious about who's doing stuff in there because it it doesn't sound as crowded as a lot of the other channels that I'm speaking. You know, I'm speaking to beauty brands and they're kind of going to the same social media channels and and media outlets and influencers. And it sounds like a really interesting space. It's just on the tip of my tongue. We'll come back to it. I know that you've also done like Twitch influencer gifting and I want to understand how that strategy works and how you approach that. So um, Twitch is interesting. So just so you understand what it is, Twitch is a platform that you record yourself while playing games. And so if you're on Twitch, there's this whole interface where you can actually see like you're on Zoom with someone and while they're playing their games and kind of like learn, you know, tips or tricks that they do. And then with Roblox, the big gamers there stream their Roblox, they record it and then they stream it to YouTube. There's kind of two different things. There's the Twitch Mm, interface and then there's Roblox YouTube. And so with the other interesting thing is the Twitch user is slightly older than the Roblox user. So Twitch, you'll see more, I don't know, 20 to 35. And then Roblox is a lot of like 13 to 25. So it's like a younger demographic. And so with Twitch, we worked with some influencers to do a live dye where they dyed their hair while while playing their games to their audience and then next week we're working with leah ash who is a big roblox influencer and so she's going to be doing it on her youtube channel so that's where her community is but yeah it's been really interesting to kind of get in in the in the grooves of both of them and they Mm. have different viewerships as well the brand that I have been following that was on the tip of my tongue it was Benefit. And so Benefit's actually oh, okay. got yep. some really neat stuff um, in the in um, the gaming space and was one that I had read about um, before um, we did our, our campaign. Okay, that's a great one for people to go and look up if they want to get some more case studies on this. When you're talking about influencer partnerships in this space, is the cost like the same as partnering with like a regular YouTube influencer or an Instagram influencer? Is it less? Is it more like how do you see the ROI and the costs associated in that space compared to say like the social media channels I'm much more familiar with? Yeah, it depends. I mean, there's they're still very expensive if they have huge viewership. And I think what for us has been interesting is even if they're at parity on like their rates, their engagement seems to be quite high because mm. it's not as infiltrated as like a brand space yet. So I think that like you don't realize as a person that like you subconsciously start thinking that like everything is paid, right? Like even on Instagram now, like so I just- true. Even if you're, it not, is. Yeah, it is. yeah, you're like, even if you don't, you know, say this is a trade partnership, like there's something about it that has that feeling. And I think that Gen Z is like grew up with this, like they're very astute mm. to it. Talk still has that like raw authenticity, like they have a few years probably ahead until it becomes much more uh, of a, a paid branding space. And I would say gaming is the same, like, yes, they, some of them do some partnerships, but it's not quite to like, the flywheel of like there are so many of them and like your brain kind of just shuts off like you're like oh this is paid you know so I think that 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 definitely has helped like for us and what we've seen from just engagement traffic on the site like people coming is much higher than like some of the influencers we've worked with from Instagram yeah interesting and I want to ask you very specifically for a resource for folks who want to learn more about 
gaming and advertising in this space like where should where are the good places to go to kind of figure all of this out aside from obviously like going in those spaces themselves I am the first one to just tell you that you can learn so much from just the internet like I literally learned everything about Hallie like how contract manufacturing work like I just watched YouTube videos and the same thing Mm. came with gaming like I think you can read a ton about like what big brands are doing but then also like the best thing that I mean, maybe it's just the way that my brain works, but was just kind of like creating logins myself. Like I have a discard, like discord username. I have a Roblox one. I have one on Twitch and like just play around with it and see uh, kind of what's happening. And then that way you can kind of understand more what different things like you might be able to do. Like even with Roblox, like I knew there was all these worlds because there had been so many stories about, you know, like uh, ad age or, you know, some like some, you know, media around big brands doing like whatever Pepsi or Nike was doing in Roblox. But like, I think what Forever 21 is doing is really cool. Like they're building out this like whole catalog of their clothes with UGC creators. And for me, I was like, huh, that seems like something that Hallie could probably do too. That's not so like cost intensive. And so I don't know if that's helpful, but there wasn't like one that's single super helpful. resource. I just think if that... you want to partner with a UGC creator like that, like what is like the approximate cost? Do you, is there any benchmark that you think, okay, you should set aside at least this budget if you want to do something like that? I think it depends on like, it just depends on the time for the development. So actually hair mm. is, is harder than like accessories, but you can do it for a few hundred bucks up until like a few thousand dollars. Like it's not, Very cool. you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars amazing Catherine thank you so much for coming on the show this has been very interesting yeah of course it's great to be here 